Hello and welcome to the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast. I'm Mel Luizu and together with my guests, we explore all different aspects of leadership in higher education. With inspiring stories, practical tips and a little bit of fishiness, this show will help you dive deep into the leader you are and climb high, unleashing your power and potential. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know there are still a few places remaining on my six-month leadership programme, starting in January 2023. Designed to help you dive deep and climb high, you will unleash your power and potential. To find out more, click on the link in the show notes or head over to my website, www.fishclimbtrees.co.uk. Today, I'm so excited to be speaking with not one, but two guests, which is a first here on the Dive Deep Climb High podcast. My guests are two phenomenal women who have together founded the Property Marketing Strategist, a boutique consultancy specialising in the rented property sector, including buy to rent, purpose-built student accommodation, and university accommodation. With a focus on data and research to influence strategy, they undertake marketing consultancy assignments alongside their industry webinars, podcasts, and youth forum. Between them, they have a powerhouse of experience. And since coming together, they have without doubt been creating a complete storm. And I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Please welcome Deeney Lee and Sarah Cannon. Hello. Hi. Hi Mel, thank you so much for what a wonderful, humbling introduction. Thank you very much. But totally valid. I mean, you just, honestly, as I was saying, just before we hit the record button, I can't keep up with everything that you're doing on social media. I think it's amazing. And I can't wait to see where our conversation takes us today. But perhaps we could start with each of you sharing a little bit about your history and then how you've come together to create this powerhouse. Sure, I don't mind going first. I guess ultimately I have been working in marketing for more years than I care to remember. I started out kind of working in publishing for a marketing publication, moved into marketing and education, focused really on FE, and then took kind of a bit of a sidestep and swerve via education into student accommodation. So kind of worked in that higher kind of education sector. And I guess my my experience of education kind of helped drive me into that property realm. And ever since then have, you know, I don't think I've ever said this, but I guess fallen in love with kind of that student accommodation piece that start of you know someone young starting on their first step of independence living and being part of that special journey really so I worked in student accommodation for a number of years with a kind of global operator decided to go freelance Sarah I guess was freelance at that point she can tell you a bit more about her history and we we basically aligned on so many things that frustrated us so many things that we thought the sector could do better and realised that actually two heads may very well be better than one. But I will leave Sarah to pick up the story from there. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dini. 
Um, I've only ever worked in property um, from when I left university from estate agency um, to residential developers um, and then came across this strange part of the property world called purpose-built student accommodation or PBSA um, about 13, 14 years ago. Um, and that's that's how I've spent, spent you know, more than a decade. Um, it's a bit contagious. It, you do get a little bit gripped in it. I think because you're on such an important journey, particularly with student accommodation, like Deanie said, and we have to stay fresh and relevant because we get older, but our audience and the audience of our clients very much stays the same. Um, we like to hire young, young people um, because it's really important that they bring their kind of fresh take on things. And as Dean said, I got made redundant from my last role um, in the beginning of lockdown and found it quite lonely working on my own. And like Dean said, we aligned in so many ways. It just seemed seemed right to, to come together. So we've been running our consultancy. Initially, it was more from research and insight and events. And we started our webinars during lockdown, um, but then realised that there was a demand for us together as a partnership um, to provide consultancy services to clients. So that's what we've been doing for, for the last couple of years, alongside what we like to, to say is elevating the role of marketing in property. And we do that through research events, sort of mentorship as well with younger marketeers um, and really making pests of ourselves, just challenging things. We, we like to elbow our way in to, you know, wherever we think we can add value to. So that's probably why you think that you see us everywhere and doing lots of things it's because we are, um, because that's the way that we feel that we can really kind of evolve and, and push the industry that we're working in on. Fantastic. I love that. Keep, keep elbowing is what I would say. So before we talk about some of the specifics that you do within your business, you both alluded to the fact that you've come together because you aligned on certain things. Could you share what some of those are? Good question. I think it's more, I mean, obviously we're both marketers. We both love marketing. It's kind of what we live and breathe in how we have worked in our careers. And I think as a fundamental starting point, our alignment comes from the fact that marketing is often misrepresented. Um, definitely in the property sector I'm pretty sure it probably happens in other sectors but you know property is you know it's changing it's shifting but it's still largely a white middle class male environment marketers are generally women you find fewer women around that board table and I guess our argument is that if you haven't got that representation of marketing at that senior level then you're missing a trick you're not able to actually benefit from all the things that marketing can bring. And I think we generally talk about marketing as your mouthpiece. And if marketing doesn't know what the business is doing or what the business is trying to achieve and is not having those strategic conversations around the table, then it can't deliver for you. And I think as a fundamental point, that is where we align. And there's lots of things that come off of that, but fundamentally marketing fulfills the strategic elements of your business. And if it isn't in the right place, if it hasn't got the elbows in all the little departments, then it's not going to live for you. I think that's where we both came together and specifically in the property sector and said, well, actually, if we can raise awareness of, of how marketing skills can support a business to deliver more, 
then that's going to be great for marketers. It's going to be great for the sector and, it, and it's going to be great for the consumer at the end of the day. Yeah. I think just to, to add to that, we come from a generation, it makes us sound really old. We're not that old, <laughs> but 10, 15 years ago, our marketing property world was quite different. And we were among peers with being a marketing director in that industry. What we've seen happen in the last few years is, a bit of a cult of that level of senior marketing and there's a lot of junior marketeers out there who are doing fantastic jobs but they're generally answering to operations directors so that kind of the impact of that is twofold is one like Deanie said maybe there's no marketing representation at the table at the board table and the second impact on that is who are the junior marketeers aspiring to be how are they working on a day-to-day basis um, what is that succession plan for them? So the other thing that we kind of really align with is trying to support junior marketers in their journey and really challenge and question that that leadership piece and that succession piece. Most operations directors will say, I don't know anything about marketing, you know, and they've just been given marketing under their job title and they don't really understand it or, or know it. So part of the alignment that we did is that, you know, there's a lack of senior marketeers in the industry we can still be that for the industry you know we don't have to be full-time employed in every single business um, but we can provide some of that knowledge and that experience and that service to the sector you know without everybody hiring a marketing director great there's so much that I I want to unpick from that I think the first thing is my observation is that you've come together because it seems like you had that really clear purpose the purpose of why you do what you do where you want to go where you were going separately but now you've come together and I think that that's a really important piece and a key part of leadership really why do we do what we do if we don't understand that then we we get lost and I think then the second thing that and we again we chatted about this previously but this whole idea about what is the difference between marketing strategy and and marketing on the ground? Because I think sometimes, like you say, often operations people will have marketing reporting into them, but their idea is, right, I need this going out there, shove it out there, <laughs> versus what's the difference? Is that a strategy? Is that is that not? That's what we would call implementation. And we we implement but after we've got the strategy right. And if you don't get the strategy right, then you're just implementing stuff effectively. Um, you know, and, and quite often that comes down to timeframes. You know, we work in a fast paced environment and without a proper strategy and a plan, you're left sometimes with no choice other than to just implement stuff. But it's never going to be as successful as if there's a strong strategy behind it. So when we start working with clients, we always do what we call a marketing audit which is really looking at where they are and then questioning the who are you targeting why when what's it for and then we we kind of take those questions with everything that we do I mean we, we've worked with clients before who have just said things like can you just do us a blog and we're like no you know because who who is it for what are we saying what's the purpose what's the call to action what's the long-term strategy with blogs rather than just putting out one and you know hoping for for a, a golden bullet that's gonna you know convert into masses of sales that's not the way it works and that's the way that we've we've always worked in our careers but I think that's come from knowledge and experience and you can't expect junior marketers 
to either know that or to have the confidence to be able to challenge and question it when you've got an MD or an operations director saying can you just send an email out can you just put this out on social media we always joke that the word most used when talking to marketers is the word just you know can you just do that can you just do that and some people just say yes 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 I can do that I can do that I can do that because they think it's part of their their job or they're worried about their career or they don't want to say no or challenge but no, we're very much of the breed of marketers that does challenge and question, um, you know, so that we can get it right. Yeah, and I think if you're in the just do this part of the implementation piece, you're only telling half the story, because what's the how, where's the why, and that's where the strategy piece come in. And you know, as you were saying, we're both passionate about what we have come together to do, and that's that's fundamentals of any business. Any business has come together to do something that is going to add value. And if you don't know what that something is or why that something is, you can't tell the story and therefore you can't get on board your customer with your product. So it kind of, you know, marketing strategies is fundamentals of marketing and all too often it gets forgotten and we're just trying to bring it back to telling the story. And that's how marketers add value to the, to the business. And that's, I guess, where we initially came together from is that we felt that marketing wasn't being valued, respected or appreciated. But if you're just implementing, then it, it can't ever be because the right people aren't going to see your, you know, your true skills. The directors, the board, they're not going to see you or hear you if you're just the person in that siloed department quickly executing some email campaigns and some posters. So it works two ways, really. It's the, the customer side of thing and what they see is being generated from a kind of a collateral point of view, um, but also the kind of the, I guess, the internal PR side of things of what it can do for someone's career um, if they're you know, making themselves heard and known and therefore respected as a marketeer. Great. And so if somebody is listening to this and thinking, OK, yes, it's just dawned on me. I am doing that implementation, not the strategy. How do they make that shift from a sort of implementation focus to a strategic focus in the in the first instance? I think it comes back to the elbows again. <laughs> it's very much you've got to you, you can't talk about what you don't know. So I think it's about knocking on some doors and saying, actually, this meeting's going ahead. I'd quite like to be in it. Um, how do I get in it? What do I want to know about more? I think we've worked with many clients and sat around many tables where companies talk about all the things that they're doing and we're sitting there going that's amazing well we can talk about that we can do this with that we can do that with that and if you haven't got your marketer or your communicator in the room then it's never going to be utilized or known so I think it is knocking on those doors you know the first couple of meetings you might want to sit there and not say anything and just take it in but ultimately being in the room and just learning and you know I've mentored and you know I work a lot in apprenticeships and I've developed a lot of apprentices in my career and one of the things I always make sure I do as a starting point is tell them what the business is and what the business objectives are trying to achieve so they understand that business function all too often I've walked into companies and spoken to marketeers and they don't know what fundamentally the business is trying to do they're just trying to push out what they've been asked to do and not understanding the why of what they're doing and so I think it is just get yourself exposed, get yourself in the right meeting rooms and just show an interest in what the business objectives are and understand them and deliver that forward. Love that. That's great advice. And that's great advice if you're in any 
junior role, not just in marketing, but any role, just get in there and understand what your business is doing. Love that. So can we move on to the research part of what you've been doing? Tell me a little bit about about that and the research that you've been doing and what you've uncovered. I guess this comes back to kind of our alignments. And one of the things we aligned on is when we were both in-house marketers, I think we always knew there was a lack of research going into the sector. Um, When we first came together, we did a piece of research to kind of just test the market of what we thought was going on to check it wasn't just us and what it was. So we did a big piece of research and what came back is that the majority of people are not looking at research before they go and build a product. And when we're talking about a product in property, we're talking about a building which takes three years to design and get into the ground and then to build. So that conception phase is so far away from actually delivery phase that time has moved on. But yet no one's asking customers what they might want from that building. Um, or they're relying on buildings that were built five years ago or 10 years ago as their blueprint for what they think students or young people might want in a home. So when we did this piece of research, it came back and verified what what we thought was the case. So we decided, well, we need to go and ask young people, what do they want from a home? What are they looking for in the next five years? What do they value? What are they willing to pay for? Um, And we also asked future students, so um, 16 to 18 year olds before they've even kind of left home, current students that were already in student accommodation and also graduates. So we've got that full spectrum of free moving out for the first time, moving out for the first time and actually moving out being kind of an independent young professional for the first time and, and what you've learned. And it's been fascinating. It's built up a whole lot of information for the sector about where they should be going, what we should be doing and, and what we should be building, which I'm sure Sarah can tell us more about. The, the purpose of it was to be that mouthpiece of the industry. When we did our initial kind of marketing survey and it was very clear that, that marketeers felt that their business wasn't investing into research into what the customer wants. So we decided that we would do it for them. I think what we've demonstrated is, you know, that research wasn't free. Um, it's it's cost money and luckily we've had amazing partners to, to help us along the way um, but you've also got the, the the manpower the hours and hours of analysis that we've done the amount of time that we've spent on the question set and then the most important thing is really so what you know you found all this out what are you going to do with the responses which is why we spent the best part of this year sharing our results with the industry for free because we believe it's the right thing to do and that the audience that we're working with will will value the responses because they're not doing it. Um, But it hopefully is highlighted internally to businesses that actually it can be done, you know, but it does cost time and resource to do it. But it's so, so valuable. We've challenged what is out there. The results are what students want is not what's being built and you know, the lasting legacy of our research we want is for, for people to actually listen and act upon it. Um, it's an amazing commercial opportunity for, for investors and developers to actually start to change what's what's going on out there and to future-proof their assets. So, yeah, we've, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. We, we did some focus groups alongside it as well because that's, you know, really, really important to actually hear it and we questioned some of the results in the survey which actually gave us far more you know clarity on some of them through doing the focus groups 
And that's the most important thing any business can do. It doesn't matter what sector you're working in. You know, the end user is the person who's voting with their feet and with their pounds. Yeah, absolutely. And so for you, can I ask, what was the most surprising result that came out from the research? Most surprising result? Um, There was probably things that we weren't surprised about because we had those hunches anyway. Um, But the industry might be surprised about how little priority young people put in fancy swanky facilities that's what's being built at the moment and as marketeers we know they look fantastic in brochures and online the cinema rooms the gyms the concierge these lovely shiny buildings but the young people actually said they don't want those they want security they want great wi-fi they want comfortable beds and they want soundproofing and they want the right levels of light and dark in their bedrooms you know, it's what we all want from our homes. It's that overall kind of holistic safety and security that one needs to feel. And, you know, that's what we're really encouraging the industry to do is to go back to basics, you know, and really, I guess, look at our own our own life choices in our own, own homes. Students are less likely to want the facilities that only some of them use, but they're paying for. You know, everybody needs a mattress. Everybody needs blinds or curtains. Um, everybody needs Wi-Fi. They don't all need a cinema room or a bowling alley, you know, or outside basketball courts in their accommodation. So they're just not willing to pay for it. And I think there's not an homogenous mass of students that are all the same. They're all different. They all want different things. They all value different things. So this idea that we can build one type of product and it suits everyone is not really delivering for the sector as such and I think there's there's other surprises that maybe didn't meet our hunches around that probably needs a little bit more work on and things that we want to delve a bit a bit deeper on things like en suites you know I think building en suites is very expensive way to do it but ultimately our research has shown that yes students still quite like an ensuite but what we haven't uncovered yet and I think something that we'd like to do a bit more work on is there's no alternative. Mm. It's either an ensuite or a horrible big block 12 people go and share a kind of gym style toilet in your home. Yeah. So I think there is still something in the middle that can deliver that. But obviously, people don't know what doesn't exist yet. So I think there's some things that have, we've kind of thought, oh, that wasn't quite what we expected. But hang on, let's try and do a little bit more delving deeper into this to understand what that really means. Yeah. I think the other surprising thing is how you can read data. So there's quite a few of our responses, which were around the 50%, you know, 50% of young people would like a gym. And we've been talking to operators and they've said that and we've gone, yeah, but 50% don't. So, you know, and that's a big proportion of of the people in your building who are, who are paying rent. Mm. So, you know, we think that actually if people have been always looking at, at research with that, hat on you know looking at what you know it might be 51 percent, or therefore it's the majority it's too much of a big investment it's too important to be looking at data in that way if you're going to build something and and charge someone something for it you know we very much believe it's got to be a much higher percentage um, of adoption than that yeah totally agree I mean you're just taking me back to to my university days and I must admit I worked at a university where they had a block thinking about ensuite and there were two rooms shared a shower room 
that was always quite interesting as well about if you lock the door, if you forgot to lock the door. <laughs> but it is interesting. It, I mean, I remember back in the days when I started out in the sector and ensuite wasn't the standard. And actually, I worked in a big university, all different types of accommodation. But actually, the accommodation that the students rated the best didn't have the best facilities. What they had was a really caring team where it felt like it was home from home. And that's always stuck with me. And I think the other thing is, is when we're building these buildings, they're not up for five years. It's not like you can go, oh, well, we'll change our mind. It's a huge investment, huge investment. So, yeah. And that's where your marketing team come in, I think, ultimately, is that A, they can be the people that understand your customers and help you develop what that product could be. And once you build it, they help tell why you've built it in that way. So you do attract the right customers. And that's why you you can't neglect your marketing team, ultimately. I remember having a conversation with a development team years ago who were debating whether students need shelving in their in their accommodation it was like well they don't have books anymore so why would they need shelves and I was like look at social media people are posting photos of how they use their room they're using their their shelves for photos of their family they're sticking fairy lights to to their shelving they've got plants on them you know it's all about personalizing your your room and we do try and stop using words like rooms and units because it's a home and you know sometimes people that work in bricks and mortar don't think of it that way Um, and perhaps people that have come from a hospitality background don't think of it that way because a hotel room can be maybe for one or two nights you know we're talking about a year minimum maybe up to three years that someone can be in these homes so of course they want to personalize it and like Deanie said you know some people in the business don't have the ear and of the customer now whereas marketing do they see and they hear and um, they they do have a view, but they've got to be involved in those right conversations because like I said, if I hadn't got involved in that conversation, the development team would just take shelving out of student rooms altogether and then they wouldn't be able to personalise their space. Love it, love it. I love that idea of, of marketing being there to inform right at the start, but also on the whole journey to make sure that the right people get what they need and that it then creates that that synergy, doesn't it? An energy that, that goes on. So I'm really interested. We could chat about your research all day. But I'm really interested from a leadership point of view and from the two of you coming together, running your business, how do you deal? There must be times, I'm assuming, when there's a point of difference. How do you deal with that? Because I think often in a leadership point of view, whether it's with our own team or with somebody in another department that we have to collaborate with. Actually, people can find that that's the most challenging when there's points of difference. So I'm really curious, how do you two work through that? I think clearly we've talked about how we're aligned and I think we are quite similar people in that and our approaches to things. But also, I think we celebrate our differences and actually the fact that we do bring different skills to certain things and therefore I applaud that and I know there's certain things that Sarah does and I'm like Sarah can do that much better than me so I'm gonna let her you know and vice versa and I think for me and I think in any team you know you can't you can't recruit yourself you know five times over in a team because you're not going to get the right functioning team and actually it's the differences that connect the dots and is a bit of the jigsaw puzzle so I think for us 
communication is important you know we probably talk more to each other than we often do our own families because <laughs> um, we're chatting all day whether it's on chat or via email or via video call and I think just celebrating that we we can both do things together same things together well but we actually can both excel in different areas to each other and I think that makes us work ultimately. Just thinking about it I don't think we've ever really challenged each other I think we both understand that we have different specialisms and different strengths and different weaknesses so it's never really been an issue that we've disagreed with something I mean personally Dini is a bit more of a has a more of a considered approach to me so sometimes my initial reaction is is wrong to something um, and actually through talking it through with with Dini who's a little bit more process led I'll be like, oh, now I can see actually this is a better way of doing things. It was never, you know, it's never a, a bone of contention or an argument. But I think we both learn from each other um, in different ways and ultimately give the best service, therefore, to our clients. I think that's great. And I think having that alignment, that very strategic alignment, understanding where you're both going is right. And then, as you say, Dini, celebrating those differences, which I think sometimes when we're in an organisation, we may have that high purpose, but we forget to celebrate that actually, you know, there are different types of marketeers, there are different types of operators, but you know, there are different skills and different focuses and different priorities. And actually, if we can celebrate them, rather than say, oh, my God, that is a positive step forward. It's funny, really, because with client work, we don't often formally say, right, you deal with that and I'll deal with that. It seems to happen organically. We just kind of seem to know which one of us will be better at dealing with something. And, a, you know, a meeting will come in the diary. And I think it's often quite clear whose strength that will sit with. When we first got together, we couldn't believe our backgrounds are so incredibly similar. You know, we sometimes joke that we we must be sisters that have been split up at some point because we're so similar. But actually the way that we work is actually quite different so we've got enough common areas that means that we collaborate incredibly well um, but enough differences that balance each other out love it love it so looking forward I mean you've had as you say you spent sort of last year doing the research this year sharing it what are your hopes for 2023 as we're coming to the end of 2022 what are your hopes for 2023 I think the legacy of the research is really important for us. We didn't do it just to push a load of information out there. We did it because we want to see change. We believe change is needed. We believe that's not only good for the consumer, but that's actually good for all stakeholders in that sector, whether it's operator, developer, investor. And I think that for us is where we're going to definitely focus the first half of the year is actually, look, we've we've learned all this. Which partners can we work with? Which stakeholders can we work with to actually make that deliver? And just keep keep on the same kind of banging the drums, really, for marketing and just make sure that marketing is, is continued to be pushed up in importance across the sector. Yeah. One area we're really keen to explore further and influence is this kind of role of ESG in property. Um, and how marketing can help support that. What's really positive is that there's a lot of talk, uh, particularly about sustainability in the industry. And we, I guess, because we're freelance, because we have the, I guess, the ability and the opportunities to network with lots of interesting people, we kind of gather people 
and we're we're having some fantastic conversations with different stakeholders from different parts of the industry and different organizations so we're really keen to see how we can help support that um, because I guess the benefit of having marketing people involved in those conversations is because it's about communication really um, maybe we're a bit too nosy but we want to be involved in everything we we have a lot of FOMO and um, and sometimes that can stretch us quite quite a lot from a from a time point of view with balancing those conversations that we really really want to be part of but we also have client work to do um so we do we do have to kind of check ourselves sometimes of how how much we can take on for the industry um but certainly kind of like the legacy of our research and looking at other ways that we can support the industry alongside our, you know, our client work um, is really important to us. We've had an amazing year and it's been fun and we've met so many great people across the sector. And I think that is, we want to continue doing that. I think continue reaching out to people, meeting people, understanding how we can collaborate and who knows what 2023 holds. Exciting. And I can't wait to see when you start to work more closely with organisations and what you achieve through the research that you've done and how you bring that to fruition. So maybe that's an episode, maybe for 2024. (laughs) So shifting tact a little bit, when have you had to dive deep and what impact did that have on you? A really good question, Mel. I think there's been so many instances in my career where things haven't gone well. You know, I've been part of organisations that have been you've had to go through transition and I guess when I've been employed and I've been in a marketing director position and had a team that always come first for me and I think you know in challenging situations where there may be things going on behind the scenes there may be mergers there may be takeovers and your team maybe don't know about that that's always been my priority is to is to look after you know the team and you're having to kind of dive deep within yourself for you know the sake of your career um dealing with lots of different stakeholders but keeping the department going and keeping the team motivated keeping the team developed um and you know providing a service to the rest of the the business which is effectively what you know what marketing does and you know I do remember you know this happening and kind of you know pretty much being in meetings all the time and phone calls and high level conversations that you can't tell anyone about and you know you're having very little sleep and very little self-care but for me I've always put the team first really yeah and I mean everybody has to choose their own leadership style I personally would adopt your your one as well but it is really hard on you as an individual to do that when you're you know what's going on around you but you're trying to support your team at the same time incredibly challenging yeah I mean I guess it's not exclusive to marketing but there's always two two faces to to marketing really especially I guess when you're dealing with a a b2c audience you know you're you're delivering something that at the end of the day they don't care what's going on behind the scenes they don't know what's going on behind the scenes Um, but you're also you know within an organization there's quite often that kind of b2b b2c internal external kind of challenges going on as well yeah Dini, have you got anything you'd like to share? About diving deep? Um, I think going alone was when I really had to dive deep, I think. And too many of us, probably more women have imposter syndrome. And I think, you know, I always wanted to, to go it alone. I always wanted to work freelance. 
Um, and I knew it was probably me being the blocker to that a lot of the time. So it's kind of take that deep breath and and go for it. And, and it, it, you know, it was hard, I guess. And before Sarah and I came together, I did it for a couple of years, which went well. And then COVID hit. And then it's like, oh, what do you do? And I guess that's what I've learned is actually I need a partner and I need someone I can have those chats with when you're kind of going, oh, I'm not really sure about this. And just go, oh, right. Yeah, no. I feel much better just by getting that off my chest and talking to someone else about it. And, you know, I guess just starting your own business and you realise the depth of decisions you need to make all the time. And I'm proud, I guess, of where we've both come, you know, of what I've learned. And that's all good for who we are and how we move forward. And, you know, and I think what I'd say to anyone is, and I do always say this to myself and to my kids, is don't ever let your fears stop me doing something you want to do. And I've always stuck by that ever since I was a teenager. And I still think that that is true because, you know, even if it fails, at least you tried, you won't know unless you try. So yeah, that would be me. I love that. I love that as a motto for leadership, really, because how many of us do stop, you know, whether we work for ourselves or we work in an organisation, our fears hold us back so often. Yeah. I mean, I always, when people are kind of scared about starting a new job, or applying for a new job, I was like, if it doesn't scare you, it's not the right job. You need to challenge yourself. Totally. So what have you felt like a fish that climbed a tree? So I kind of thought about this one. And for me, I think it's any time you start a new job or you start a new organisation, you're always that first day, you just look around, you just go, what's everyone talking about? What's going on? And even if you understand the sector and you know the sector, you're like, yeah, I know what they're talking about. I know what's going on. But I always say to people who are starting a new organisation or start to work with me in a, in a job, I'm like, you're not going to understand this for a year. You need to see a whole cycle before you fully understand it. That doesn't mean you're not productive. It doesn't mean you can't add value. But you'll still have those odd moments toward the end of the 12 months and you go, ah, finally. <laughs> I've never understood why you've done it that way. Now I understand. So I do think that, and again, it, it probably is a natural way to feel a bit like what the hell's going on here on the first day of a new job. And it, that's perfectly natural and that's perfectly normal. And that's probably the way it should be. Because if you don't feel like that, you probably think you know things that you don't know. Yeah. And then you fall off that tree. Exactly. <laughs> Sarah, how about for you? Um, I think I've probably felt a lot like climbing a tree when if you're a fish in the last couple of years. And my attitude is a bit like what Dini says, is just sort of take those opportunities. Um, last week, I was speaking at a conference in Madrid in front of hundreds of people from the sector. It wasn't that I wasn't terrified. I, I totally was. But I decided to do it anyway. And you know, we've we've been given lots of opportunities in the last couple of years that I definitely have imposter syndrome about um, and think I'm not the right person to, to do this. There are better people, um, you know, but actually just doing it anyway. Um, and I think I take that attitude really in my, in my, my personal life as well as my, my work life. You know, I don't know if it's just getting older and getting you know, more scared of things in some ways and less scared in other and, or not worrying what people think. I kind of have the attitude of what's the worst that can happen. So I could be a fish trying to climb a tree and it might not work, but it might you know, might get a little bit of the way up the tree. Um, and that's that's kind of good enough, really. So I'm just trying to embrace all of those things and putting it down to experience because, you know, with my kids, I, I would expect the same of them, really. So I've got to be a good leader at home as well as at work. And, you know, when my, my son says, you know, mummy, how was your conference? I can say it was really scary, but I did it anyway. Fantastic role model. I love that. I love that. So I think we're all saying... Feel the fear and do it anyway. 
really. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. Oh, honestly, I've loved talking to you both. I could talk to you all day. If people want to know more, if they haven't heard of you, if they don't know about your research, how can they get in touch? What's the best way for them to do that? So if anyone wants to find out more about our research and what we do, we, we have a website, The Property Marketing Strategist. We also have a YouTube channel. We have a podcast. We are on LinkedIn and we're on Instagram as well. And um, so all of our resources and all of our links are, are all over the place in those channels. And I will make sure that they all go in the show notes. So it just leaves me to say a massive, massive thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I know how busy you both are. So I really, really appreciate it. What final words of wisdom would you like to leave people with today? I'd say just go for it. Follow your dreams. Try things out. See where it takes you and be open minded. I think my words of wisdom is to, to challenge things. You know, if you're invited to the table, make yourself known. If you're in a room, make sure people know you're there um, and really kind of push the boundaries and challenge the status quo. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dive Deep, Climb High podcast with me, Mel Louisu. To help build our community of leadership listeners, please leave me an Apple podcast five-star review. Remember, our fishy adventure doesn't have to end here. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Links are in the show notes. Dive deep, climb high, can-do leadership in a world of can't.